What's up? You'll hear it. Hey, this is Bob Deboo, the host of the Upright Citizens podcast. Got a question for you. How would you like to get inside the mind of one of the most recorded musicians of all time? Well, here's your chance. The legendary bassist Ron Carter will join the Open Studio community on June 14th for an exclusive one-time only live mentor session. You don't want to miss this. To learn the secrets to the maestro's iconic sound, gain insights to his unique musical mind in real time, pick his brain on his illustrious career, and get answers that'll propel your music to new heights. Join today and unlock your free 14-day trial at openstudiojazz.com. Then you'll be able to not only join the maestro in this exclusive conversation, but dig into his brilliant course, Blueprint for Jazz Bass, and so much more. So sign up now. Peace. Hey, Peter. Hey. You're going to need to be quick today. we got rapid-fire questions coming really? at you. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah. Are you wow. sure? Yeah. You don't look ready. What's this? It's <laughs> rapid-fire. <laughs> I'm Adam Annis. And I'm Peter Martin. We have fun here. Are you you slowed down now. This is the You'll Hear It podcast. <laughs> um... Music advice coming at you. <laughs> come on, quickly. Yeah, quickly come on, come on, come on. You catch, catch me off guard. I know. We I go know. at all speeds here. We do. We go mostly just at a nice medium clip. But I got to let a little medium know. swing, a little straight ahead. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of threw me off there a little bit, though, because right before we record this, I said, why don't we go rapid fire on because we have three speak pipes we want to get through today. We do. And you know, usually. And you said, no, let's not. <laughs> Because I really want to dig into these. And then we started and you're all rapid fire. You're throwing me off. Man. Well, I, I want to just make sure that we're on our toes because we do have three really good speak pipes. We get speak pipes. Uh, these are actually just voicemails. You can go to youllhearit.com and you can leave us your question. Don't minimize the speak pipe system, sir. I would never. <laughs> I would never. We got denigrate it. <laughs> we got three really good ones this week and I wanted to hit all three of them right in a row. Yeah. And I think one of them is going to take up some time and it's this first one from Rodrigo. Let's check it out. Hello, Peter and Adam. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, so, well, I want to make contact with you and to share to share with you guys something I have in my mind that maybe you can address in, in, one, of, in one of your podcasts. Um, it's about um, how how do professional musicians or professional jazz musicians conceptualize and think about uh, the chords in functional harmony. For example, in the key of C major, you have the C, the C, C major, A minor, and E minor, and these are kind of related in many in many ways. They are related chords, and when you start playing with upper structures and nines and elevens, and and, and even even further, if you start playing rootless voicings, it's not so clear when you are playing a one or a six or a three, or, or even or between the two and the four, or or the five and the seven, or the or even the two and the, and, and the five. So. To what extent do professional musicians like um, consider um, being the one and the six, for example, something different uh, in their minds? Like how to conceptualize? How do, how do they conceptualize about it? Like is it something different, or they look at it as something broader, like a big uh, broader unit of uh, resolution, for example? So this, uh, or in what in which context do, do do you think in one way or another? Thank you, Rodrigo. Super thoughtful question. Yeah. And it's actually something that I've been thinking about a lot. I've been working on a short 
with this idea of these related chords. Mm. So maybe if we can break, break down what I think Rodrigo is saying and, yeah. the, and what he's, the issue that he might be running into. And it's something that's very common in, you know, sort of classical music theory. And it's something that I love to think about. So what he's talking about here, he's talking about these sort of families of chords. If we're in C major, you, know, you have C major, A minor, and E minor, right? Either side of C major. Mm -hmm. You know, if we skip a step in the C major scale of chords, the diatonic scale of chords, right? And, and I think what Rodrigo is saying is, how do you think about those? Because they can seem interchangeable. C major, if you're in the key of C, C major and A minor, the relative minor, and E minor, right? Yeah. They both can be used in, all three of those can be used in the similar situation. So obviously C will be your tonic, but sometimes, you know, you can go to the relative minor as a replacement to the tonic. Obviously C would be your tonic in something like a one, six, two, five. But what's the first thing we usually do? Three, six, two, five. And it's functioning in a very similar way. It's called the mediant chord. And then that A minor is called the relative minor. Mediant? Mediant. So if we take a voicing, like our classic six note C major 13 voicing, right? E, A, D, G, uh, so what voicing? Yeah. Put a C in it. sort of like sus chord, this G over A, um, but it is certainly related to C major. So there's that. And then we have uh, chords that are related, and A minor is, all of these chords, by the way, they switch between yeah. all of these families. So let's now move on to like a family of like D, F, and A. It's called chord switching. Chord switching. So Not code switching, chord uh, switching. Exactly. So let's say you have a cadence going back to the tonic, four, five, one. Classic. Right? So this penultimate before the ultimate chord is G, right? The pre-penultimate or the uh, the subdominant is that F, right? Now, you the F can be replaced and naturally is replaced by everything from D minor to 5, 1 to A minor. They're all used, those three chords, D minor, F major, and A minor are used in a similar way. And in fact, again, if you took, say, um, we'll do this voicing here. The similar voicing can actually be used. I mean, you would change it a little bit maybe for the A minor, but it's all very similar the way you would use some of these uh, chords. So are you thinking about that, and, I, and maybe you just answered this with that last demonstration, um, of ones that are related in terms of like the chord or the harmony stays the same and you're moving around to different roots to find things. Like you said, the four, the six, or the two, If even with this basic triad here, that all works, but all you're doing it, is switching the roots, which actually changes the quality of the chord. It kind of all works, right? Yeah. It kind of like, I mean, if you were to do, obviously this voicing, right, like a D minor nine, yeah switch the roots you would probably want to get rid of the f to make it an a minor but that's moving one note right you know so even if you were thinking triads too you're just moving one note between those three chords and so it's really one voice that's changing one note is changing between each one of those right yeah. and so they are very similar now i think the answer that rodrigo that you're looking at is it's a yes both situation so 
Sometimes we are not thinking about these as families, but you'll often see in practical terms, we substitute these chords pretty interchangeably. Mm -hmm. Like C and E minor get substituted in functional harmony all the time because of how closely they're related. C and A minor can also be uh, not just substituted, but used in conjunction with each other. So if we were to do... Um, conjunction, function, what's your function? If we were to do conjunction, junction, but not, and we did time after time instead, right? Yeah. We got C minor to G7. We could also put that A minor in as part of the progression, right? That's not, that A minor is not necessarily leading us to a D minor, right? It's more just part of that C minor. So when it becomes an actual six dominant, what is that? That's just leading more. That's a secondary dominant going to D minor. Right, but in yeah. terms of like the feel, does it have a tighter connection or is it just a different connection between where you're going, which would be the two? It has a, it has a, it, it is attached, it tonicizes the two chord. So it's attached to that two and less attached to the C. Whereas if it's an A minor, the six minor is more attached. To I think where it's more it's attached to from. where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah in, that, agree. in that context. So, and I think that, that that idea of what does that sound like, what does that feel like, is kind of the most important things with this, like how you can um, contrast these. Not so much like, oh, let's go through all the way with one certain way, but like, what are the little things that we can change that will affect how it feels in terms of how we're going to actually use these? Absolutely. So like, and I like to like break these down in just triads or three note chords sometimes to really get a feel for like, what is it? And then you hear that. It, it, you feel it. You hear it. It's like, yeah, it is more attached. Like you haven't really changed much. You haven't changed anything. Yeah. You know. If you're, if you're putting, making it dominant. Yeah. But that, where does that want to lead, you know? It wants to lead there. And then another version of this family is going down from C. Or using the mediants around A, right? So C major, A minor, and F. Again, each one of those, we're just changing one note of the triad at a time. Right? One note changes. But if we take like, and this is the magic voice, voicing system, if you take a C pentatonic chord, all notes made up of the... C pentatonic scale. The first thing I do with students is say, play a C, right? Play an A, yep. play an F, right? So you have C, six, nine, you yep. have A minor seven, and then you have F major seven. That voicing can be used on all three of those, right? Mm -hmm. That voicing could also be used with C over E. So now you have this whole mediant, you know, these relationships that are a third away from each other diatonically yeah. um, that are really closely related. So, Rodrigo, it's, I don't think it's anything that, especially if you're just starting out on your harmonic journey, it's not anything that you really need to be like super hyper-focused on. Yeah. But you will start noticing similarities between C and E minor, C major and A, A minor, F and A minor, F and D minor, G and E minor, G and B half diminished, of course. Like, those things are related, and there are cadential uh, examples of E minor to G. It works almost the same way that C and A minor work yeah. as a relationship, right? Again, because one note is changing. And of course, G to the B half diminished is tightly related to it as a, as a G7 sound. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. That's our first one. But the yeah. only thing I want to just throw into there is something I've never thought about before, but I always think like theory, like understanding after you hear something for a long time or kind of understand it on more of an intuitive level, uh, it's equally uh, valuable to kind of theorize with it, I think, after the fact. But 
like there's I'm always interested in triads and how they show up in different places in this music because I feel like it's always it's the opportunity to lean into that, to lean away from it, but just knowing that that's like going to be an obvious thing. Like if somebody is seven foot tall and they walk into a room, there's no point of them putting their head down. Yeah. Trying, you know what I mean? Like you can either stand up tall, whatever, but that's going to be a seven footer. So it's like, how do you use that for the, you know, and that's what kind of triads are. And so when you look at that C going up to E minor down to A minor, that's a triad, yeah. right? And so like that root, relationship of possible movements that you would do are going to be based around that because when you get into stuff like like you i don't know if you did that to the three not not with the major i'm right. keeping everything in white keys right but that would be the thing that that changes even when you leave diatonic right. exactly. but that triad down there stays the same exactly. exactly and there's a lot of examples of that and when you kind of clue into that it's not like oh you have to do it this way but it's like oh i recognize how that sounds let me use that at the right time i'm so glad you brought this up because if we look at again if we're in the key of c if we look at the seventh degree b that half diminished sound right and we look at the notes around it g and d and then even if we go up to f those triads f d minor b half diminished and g put a g in the in the bottom of all those They're all this dominant sound that jazz musicians use, those upper structures, by borrowing against that, in that. And those are all just notes of a G dominant chord as like the root, but the triad based on those, you know, because they're so built off of these upper structures. It's the same thing with C, C major triad. Yep. Right, if we go up to C, uh, C major, E minor, and G major triads, and keep that root. Again, th those relationships hold intact. It's all part of like a C major nine chord. That's basically yep. all three chords stacked on top of each other. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and again, this is not like crucial. Like you need to know this to be able to play jazz at all. But yeah. it is something that, especially if you play piano more and more, you start to be like, oh, I see. Like these sort of third relationships in a key are very closely related and yeah. can be borrowed against each other to kind of create tension. So that it is kind of hard to tell if it's an E minor or a C major seven, or if it's a G major over C or a, or a C major nine, like those things can be like, oh, what is that? You know, pay attention to the root, pay attention to the upper structures and you should, you should be able to get it. Good stuff. Yep. Here's John with a question on gospel piano. Okay. Hello, Peter and Adam. This is John from California. I would love if you guys could share all the tips and tricks and hacks you guys have for gospel piano whatever you can share to uh, help us get more of that gospel flavor, that gospel sound in our playing. I think you guys have touched on it before in the past uh, bit, but if you could dedicate a whole episode to that, that would be awesome. We Love can't podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot. We can't dedicate in a whole episode to that, John, because we the, feel underqualified. We are certainly underqualified. So Peter and I are definitely not gospel pianists. It's a very specific style and it's a whole school of it. To, it's actually very, like the, it's a it's a robust scene that we don't see a lot because I don't go to church uh, every Sunday with uh, we're gospel not against pianos. church we don't attend no but no we're no, not but, against it but <laughs> but like it I would say John go to church if you want to hear exactly. great gospel pianos. and go to one with a really like ask around about the yeah, band man. don't ask around I mean a lot of times it goes good with a good preacher or minister I played a I played a a, a funeral service at the First Baptist Church of Chesterfield with um, Denise Times wonderful vocalist mm. here in St Louis a few weeks ago and the organist I never heard her name before or heard her play and i was like we are this is like one of the best musicians i've ever heard in st louis like yeah. just 
unbelievable scene of incredible musicians yes. in probably your local uh, churches. So Absolutely. go to church, check it out. Um, and of course, like tons of recordings from very, very modern stuff to a lot older stuff will uh, will suit you a lot better, I think, than any tips or hacks that we've gleaned from them. That's right. Yeah. So in that spirit, let's talk about a few hacks on how to play you gospel. Got <laughs> no, you, you, no, have, but you, you have some great about... two-minute jazz videos. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's because there's so much crossover between gospel and jazz. Like, you're gonna... Totally. Nina Simone, oh, yeah. Billy Taylor, like... Bobby Timmons. 100%. And up I to mean, like, Oscar Peterson. Up to, like, Corey Henry, Robert Glasper. Like, you're gonna hear... Cyrus yep. Chestnut, like you're going to hear gospel influences and a lot of modern players too. Yeah, and I think learning some of the, you know, like like this, like Monin, learning some of the gospel the preacher, um, you know, Joe Zavinal. I mean, if you want to learn gospel, go to Austria, is, is what we're saying. That's how you do it. <laughs> no, but learning the, 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 the gospel music and what has become, I mean, look, gospel is actually a bunch of, you know, it's like contemporary Christian, real, I mean, it's yeah, such a bastardized a, term in it, a way. It's a horrible, like, you know, you know our rant against labels in general, and exactly. this is definitely one of them. It's so been around for it. so long that there's so many different... But I love a tune like Mona because that, I think, is what people are asking about. That's sort of what I'm super interested in. It's like, how do you clue in on uh, the gospel infusions into jazz you know what i mean without because i never have believed in like oh and like i totally believe like go to a gospel church to hear great mu music go to church with a great gospel with a great band let's not even label it because you're gonna hear some of the best music around 100 100 um but in terms of like how do we apply that i think that you can get that from some of these tunes you don't have to feel like oh it has to be authentic this it has to be a you know authentic gospel it has to be authentic cuban um, song groove or whatever. It's like, no, like jazz is the place where not always, but oftentimes these different elements come in as influences. Mm -hmm. And so like that, that kind of a tune like moaning is going to give you a lot of that. I mean, some of it's obvious and basic, but it's all in kind of how you do it. It's the style of it. So you can be like, oh yeah, well, gospel is four to one. Well, yeah, but how do you do it? So it's like, like, are you going to, because a lot of people are like, is it minor or major? It's both, right? And when you hear also, it's like, if you want to really learn from great church musicians, look at how they listen and react in the moment. 100%. Because it's a different, like great jazz musicians listen and react in the moment. We do that as well, but they do it in a very acute way. You might take notes on how they're learning this music as well. Like yeah. They're, they're learning the music uh, via, you know, transmission from musician to musician mostly. Right. They don't get caught up in the secondary dominance no, all that, but they play them. <laughs> they know them and they play them, but yeah. it's, it's being thrown at them from a very early age. And it's a great lesson on using your ears to find your way. Yeah, and then yeah. check out the way that that um, the gospel stuff, especially for the keyboard players and guitarists and stuff, use triads because that's like you know at the most basic level. Like, how do they go through? And you can experiment with different things. How those are moved around the diatonic thing, and then you know talk about hacks. I'm gonna be a hack on this, but like. How do we get from one to four? We talked about the first question, different, you know, places going diatonic from one to six to one to three or whatever. You've got a really cool video that I think hits on some great gospel kind of fundamental uh, concepts in just one minute. The, the, what's the one where you... Um, like, how are we going to get there? 
the transitions one. I don't remember. You yeah, got yeah, so many. no, no. All of my like harmonic warm up videos yeah. are definitely uh, applicable to you know. A, really, it's just classic voice leading. Yeah, and it works both in in sort of like classical, even baroque music, but also in a gospel context because it's just it's just voices moving. It's something that humans have been dealing with since we uh, started. Uh, singing. Yeah, and you can think about a, a lot of times, especially in blues situations, we're trying to get from one to four. So, so you go from one to four. You don't have to go anywhere else, but you can go up to the three, but make that a straight dominant, and then go to the four. I want to also, or a, or a flat thirteen. And sometimes, you know, when people talk about jazz piano, they give us a shout out here at Open Studio, which I'm always grateful for. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to Pretty Simple Music on YouTube. Great There's channel. a ton of great gospel pianist YouTubers who are uh, much more uh, uh, knowledgeable about this than us. So and check actually, out, from, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, check out Pretty Simple Music. Yeah, for sure. Great videos. Yeah. And then, like a lot of the stuff we were saying from the first question in is interesting to look at how... In the gospel situation, they're going in the same place to say the one to the six or the one to the three. How do they get there? So you got, you know, so that's just like one, one over five. Yeah. And then it's not really the mood chord like we've been playing around with, but it's definitely over the third. 100%. A7. It's voice leading, man. Some of the best voice leading in the world is happening. And a lot of times they're they're already playing the next chord. So that's A7. Yeah, over yeah, yeah. And then you're going to D minor, but they're already playing the D minor. And then they're picking out, just like with everything, it's like picking out those, um, that voice leading that really defines the movement of the harmony. deep dive on any new form of music to you yeah hitting repertoire can be very very handy to like learning the classic repertoire of whatever that is whatever style you're trying yeah. to learn it can teach you a lot of lessons about how to play the music as well. yeah and all that stuff was like out of time which is an important part of that but then you've got i did a video on the kirk Franklin. And that you can check out is really about the rhythm. It's also going these same places in a little bit different ways. G flat major to B flat minor, one to three. Um, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but you can check out the way, you know, the rhythmic patterns are set up. There's a lot of kind of overlap with, you know, so-called lab music, jazz, what, whatever that you can hear in there. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks, John. One more. Wrap it. Come on. Here we go. Hi, Peter and Adam. It's uh, this is very uh, it's 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 my pleasure to to meet you like this. My name is Ivan. I'm 35 years old from Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, it's an it's Eastern European country. Uh, oh, I'm we know. Proficient in guitar, learning uh, learning uh, double bass and learning alto sax. Damn. My question is how I actually find the instrument for right. Which instrument is right for me? You know. And uh, there is different sounds, different interesting things I'm, I like, and I wish to be more focused on one thing than in three other things, you know. So how I can do that and, uh, because, and how I choose that and what, well, which advice you will give me if, if, if you're in my position. So I hope you'll see you soon or actually hear you soon. Sorry. 
I can't. <laughs> You'll hear it. Ab. You'll hear it. You're far away, but uh, I will. I will be watching your podcast as as I always do. So cool. Thank you once more for the great advices, great stories, and uh, great lessons. Your guys are great. Oh, thanks. Love Ab. you. Bye. <laughs> Love you too, buddy. Uh, this might be our first Serbian uh, voicemail. I think we've ever got it could be it could yeah i've been from belgrade and we're very familiar my lovely wife heather is of serbian heritage I did not know and that. my son's name is ivan i did know that of that serbian heritage oh, there so, you go. yeah um and then serbia of course the great nikola jokic hey the nba all-star champion known as the joker that's right due to his complicated sounding sure, name sure of sure. course hails from uh serbia so shout out serbia i actually Got a chance to play two times in Belgrade and had a great time. Nice. Great musicians there. Great jazz players. One of the kind of strongholds of strong European players. Absolutely. Sure so, Ivan, there's no easy answer to this, obviously, because we don't know you super well. Oh, what was the question? I forgot it was, now. He was so glowing about us. I, I got know, lost in that. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, no, he plays about three different instruments. Oh, right, right. And is wondering to know, like, how do I choose? Which one should I choose? I mean, my first instinct here, Ivan, is to follow your heart. Like, what are you naturally spending more time in and if it's all three if you keep getting pulled you might be a generalist and there's nothing wrong with being a generalist there are a lot of great musicians who are incredibly impactful who play many different instruments yeah and maybe none of them are as mastered as keith jarrett is playing the piano but don't forget keith jarrett also recorded on drums and yes, saxophone exactly. we got warren wolf over here Recorder. playing drums and bass like a lot of musicians who are who are phenomenal on one instrument do not just stick with that one instrument and in fact Playing several instruments can help with your overall musicianship. So I would I would be uh, very careful to say just stick with one instrument and focus on that one instrument. I would say follow your heart in the moment. If you feel like playing guitar, play guitar. If you feel like playing saxophone, stick with it because that's where you're really going to make some progress. Absolutely. I think. I totally agree. And I think that this is definitely not cookie cutter, one size fits all. I think some people, you know, need to just play one instrument like in order to sort of maximize their service output if you would call it because like always remember sometimes you can get lost in these things and it can be a little bit of a paralysis by analysis because like how many should we be playing what's the best way to get there and i think you know the concept of um action versus just being in motion which i believe came I, i'm not sure where it originated but i know it's in atomic habits james clear talks yeah, yeah. about this a lot but it's the idea of like you know, sometimes we can be in motion doing things, but we're not actually affecting the result that we're trying to do at all. So like this would be an example would be like, um, which I don't think Ivan has, but it would be kind of like, I'm not sure which instrument I should play. Like what is what are my hands best suited for? I'm going to do some reading and some research on the best instrument. So like there's always preparation we need to do, but that's not the actual like taking action upon learning the instrument that's preparing to prepare right yeah. and so when we look at like playing three instruments well is that in the service of you've got something to say that's edifying to yourself and hopefully to other people and you can best do it through three different instruments at different times then absolutely do that maybe you're just curious yeah i'm i learned a ton of different instruments you know just at least the basics of them, just because I was curious, like, how does that work? And right. how could I do that? You know, I bought a mandolin once just because I was like, how do I do that? Right. You know? But I think that that if you think about the motion versus action in terms of multiple instruments, like, can you actually play all the instruments? I'm not talking about, are you the greatest? No, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. about that. But can you express yourself? Can you tell your story on 
those three instruments because some people will like pick up an instrument and never they just are going through the motions right right, right? right. like you've got to get to that place where you've not mastered the instrument but mastered the basics 100%. like can you play some scales yeah. can you get around do you know what the strings are yeah don't dabble in a bunch of things but really look at it as as taking action on those and three i mean people have done more nicholas payton is playing like Dude, a lot of instruments it's ridiculous so, yeah but he's really good at a lot of instruments too. exactly yeah but and you don't have to be as good as nicholas is on any of those instruments but the idea is like you i, I would say the barometer is like can you express yourself on an instrument and yeah. i don't mean like for me i can pick up a guitar and somebody might think I'm expressing myself, but I, I know it would be in a very putrid way. <laughs> you know, I can like place, but I'm not. So if I'm going to start playing it, like I'm going to get at least to a level of proficiency where I can play. I'm never going to be able to probably play it like I can play this. That's fine. But, you know, I'm just going through the motions if I just continue like I am now. That's why I don't play it. Man, I feel I feel like learning multiple instruments is a great way to, to round out your musical education. The piano is awesome and it's definitely my primary instrument, but yeah. I don't think... I would have as enjoyable of a musical life had I not learned drums when I was in high school yeah, and saxophone when I was in middle school and guitar when I was a kid. Um, that's helped with like writing songs, you know, yep. drums has helped with everything. And then just recently just working on my voice, like I've thought more about pitch than I've ever had in my life and mm. what is in tune and trying to hear that more than because we're playing little buttons here that are always magically kind of in tune you know what I mean yeah and so those exercises even like you said even if you don't become world class or like right. Nicholas Payton you can play everything so beautifully like just the act of that it helps you rethink how you're phrasing how you're performing on your primary instrument and everybody's look the voice is for everybody that has a voice is at, at a minimum your secondary instrument yeah. for everybody. So like that's already one. Like so when totally. people say I only play one instrument, it's like no, you can always. So it's just about you know taking that action. Same and with really, the drums. That everybody's moving. Everybody's in space. Yep. Everybody's in time. Everyone's a dancer. Everyone's a singer. Everyone's and a, a brain drummer. surgeon. We're all just singers no. <laughs> and drummers with different uh, different boxes put right. on us. Really, we're all psychiatrists. Yeah, Anyone you know. is qualified to do that. Uh, this was really fun. We got it. We got it going. We got yeah. it rapid. Pop, it, pop, none pop. of it was rapid until now. Pop pop pop. Ever heard of it? Till next time, you'll hear it. Thank you.